Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. Here we go. Last week, uh, we talked about um, change and that none of us really like change very much. We talked about how it's important to have um, new wineskins for the new wine and that part of a new wineskin is the flexibility and elasticity of that. And, and as we as a staff were talking about this year and, and the beginning of this year especially, we um, thought that that's important to be flexible, it's really crucial, but another really important thing is to have a really solid foundation, right? And, and that's what we want to talk about here at the beginning of this year, and we're going to go back to one of the best known, most loved, most memorized um, portions of scripture that there is. And that is, uh, we're going to study Psalm 23, right? And many of us have memorized that psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. We're going to go through this psalm just verse by verse over the next six weeks. And with that, we're going to be using this book. I mentioned it last week, Life Without Lack by Dallas Willard. And um, he does not go through, the, through it verse by verse, but he informs it really well. And it's a really, really interesting book, um, it actually was written after his death. It, um, in 1991, Dallas and his wife went to a small little church out in Van Nuys, and the pastor asked him to do a teaching on a Thursday night, and they would gather, about 30 people would listen to Dallas teach, and they recorded it. And he was, he was teaching on, the, on Psalm 23. And um, so they recorded it. At the end of the time, the pastor, Larry Burkett, said to Dallas, Dallas, you've got to turn this into a book. And Dallas said, I don't have time to do that. So the pastor said, okay, I will do it. And Dallas said, I would love for you to take this. So he took the tapes, and it only took him 26 years to put the book together. But the beautiful thing about it is this, and I don't know, some of you may have tried to read Dallas in the past. Some of his stuff, he's so smart, it's really hard to follow sometimes. Like, Divine Conspiracy... I read it, I knew it was important, I didn't understand it. I just didn't get it. I read it again, I got a little bit more. I read it again, I got a little bit more. The beautiful thing about this book is that it's Dallas speaking and a pastor bringing his own insights into it too. It's very easy to understand, I think, of all Dallas' stuff. It's really a beautiful, beautiful book. So I would encourage you to buy it. Again, it doesn't follow verse by verse, but it just informs what we're going to do in the next six weeks. So here's a quote from the book about this life without lack. Dallas says, a life without lack is a life in which one is completely satisfied and sustained, no matter what happens, no matter what happens. It is not merely a matter of gritting your teeth and hanging on. It is a matter of real provisions directly from God to you. Quite a statement, right? That, that, that you are completely satisfied and sustained by God. And that, that line, no matter what happens. Because as we all know, the no matter what happens in life happen. And Dallas is saying, you can be completely satisfied in your relationship with God, and he will provide for you. Now, one of the things that Dallas did in his teachings was that every week he would start the um, session with a prayer. And we are going to start, um, I'm going to read this prayer for us today, 
And it's going to be a way that we'll probably start each week. Is just this beautiful prayer that kind of puts us in the right, I think puts our hearts in the right place to this. So will you pray with me? This is Dallas's prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we are so thankful to you that you have said, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We are thankful for the ease with which you walked upon this earth, the generosity and kindness you showed to people, the devotion with which you cared for those who were, with, who were out of the way and in trouble, the extent to which you even loved your enemies and laid down your life for them. We are so thankful to believe that this is a life for us, a life without lack, a life of sufficiency. It is so clear in you, the sufficiency of your Father and the fullness of life that was poured through you, and we are so thankful that you have promised that same love, that same life, that same joy, that same power for us. Lord, slip up on us today. Get past our defenses, our worries, our concerns. Gently open our souls and speak your word into them. We believe you want to do it, and we wait for you to do it now. In your name, amen. I just love that prayer, and especially this line or these lines, Lord, slip up on us today. Get past our defenses and our worries and our concerns. Even on a Sunday morning, we can come and gather, we can be at home watching, whatever, and, all, and we are just consumed by our worries. We have defenses up, whether we realize it or not, that keep what God wants to do in our lives from actually penetrating into our hearts. And so that beautiful line of, Lord, just slip up on us. May our hearts be open for what God wants to do. So Psalm 23. There's not going to be a slide for this because one of the uh, practices I'm going to really encourage you to do in this time is to memorize this slide or memorize this verse, these verses. There we go, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Incredible words. Incredible words. So work in these next six weeks to memorize those, if you haven't already, that they might be with you all through your day. So the first verse is this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. So here's the thing, I'm going to say, make a strong statement here, I really believe this is true, but this is it. The most important thing in life is what you think about God. 
It's more important than all the gifts and abilities you have. It's more important than your education. It's more important than the job you have. It's more important than all the resources you have, whatever it might. The most important thing in life, whether you realize it or not, is what you think about God and how you think about him. Because how you think about God and what you think about him, that forms your worldview. The way you look at everything else comes back to this point of how you think about God. And David starts out this beautiful psalm by saying the Lord is his shepherd. But there are lots of other ways you can think about God, other visions or images you can have about who God is. A lot of people believe that God is this distant God that kind of created the world, put it into motion, keeps things, and then just kind of went off and is doing his own thing now. Other people believe that um, God is just kind of a political puppet that they use to kind of support their political ideas, and that's when they bring God out is then. Other folks uh, have an image of God as that he's a grandfatherly type, right? I think a lot of us have this one. And he's just kind of sitting in his, his easy boy and just kind of rocking back and forth a little bit. He's kind of out of it and just kind of, oh, gosh. Boys will be boys. Just do whatever you want out there. Don't worry about it. That's our view of kind of who God is a little bit sometimes. Others, though, have him as kind of this hard-driving taskmaster who puts burdens on us that we just can't bear and that God wants more and more and more and more from me. We see him that way. And then others, especially maybe uh, those that are teenagers or whatever, see him as this cosmic cop. And God's just kind of looking around for anybody that's having any type of fun and smacking them and stopping them. Hey, stop doing that. So what's your view of God? So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. You might know this about David, that he was actually a shepherd. He had spent a lot of time tending his father's sheep and all that, so he knew the job well. But he kind of looked at life. He looked at his experience of, with God. He thought about God in certain ways. And one of his conclusions is, the Lord is my shepherd. And it's these sort of qualities of what a shepherd is that he saw in God. And I put down five. That a shepherd is a protector. A shepherd is a provider. A shepherd is the guide and leader. A shepherd is the rescuer, and the shepherd is present. Right, The shepherd would protect the sheep at night from any sort of wild animals. The shepherd would actually sleep across the door of the pen for the sheep to make sure that no animal could get through. The shepherd would actually go before his sheep and prepare the land before them so there would be enough grass growing for his sheep. He would provide all that was needed. The, the shepherds in Jesus' time did not stand in the back, but they were in the front. And the sheep followed after him. And so the shepherd really was a guide and a leader. We know from Scripture where it says that a shepherd will leave the 99 to go find the one that is lost. The, our shepherd is a rescuer and will carry that sheep back to the fold. And then finally, the shepherd is present with his sheep. 
Again, in Jesus' day, they were with the sheep almost 24-7, would consistently be with them. So a shepherd is a protector, a provider, a guide, a rescuer. A shepherd is present with his people. And a lot of us, as I was reading this, actually, I was thinking, you know what? You know, it's kind of easy for David to look at this and feel that way. I mean, David was a king. David was powerful. David had lots of wealth, and people looked at him and really thought he was fabulous. And so for him to kind of think, yeah, you know, God's been this for me. It'd be easy for him to see God as a provider and a protector and a rescuer and all these things. But the truth is that, that David grew up and experienced a lot of difficulties. He grew up in a lot of the no-matter-what-happens things in life. Right, The first time we ever see David, you know, it's when uh, Samuel is trying to anoint a new king after Saul, and he, he goes to Jesse's house, and he says, the Lord has told me one of your sons is going to be the next king. And so uh, Jesse brings all his sons out, and he goes through them one by one, and Samuel looks at him and goes, well, I'm sure it's this one. No, the Lord says, nope, 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 nope. Gets to the end, and he looks at Jesse and says, do you have any other sons? He goes, well, I do have one other. But you know what? You don't want to see him. He's, he's out tending the sheep. It's David. He, he was an afterthought in his family. Have you ever felt like an afterthought? Maybe in your family? And then, and then when his brothers all went off to fight against the Philistines and Goliath was there and David comes in, his brothers shame him for even coming. And then when he is anointed as king, Saul tries to kill him actually several times and for 13 years chases after him and David is basically a refugee in his own land. He is the anointed king but has not been crowned as king and for 13 years he's running for his life. Once he finally becomes king, we know this, that he is a lot of good, but he sins greatly and sleeps with Bathsheba and has her husband killed, basically. And, and then uh, Bathsheba gives birth, and that baby dies. The prophet Nathan has confronted him about all that has gone on. And then at the end of his life, he's even betrayed by his oldest son and has to flee Jerusalem. And yet this is a man who looked at all that he saw, all that he experienced of God, and said, the Lord is my shepherd. Even in the midst of being an afterthought, being shamed, sinning greatly, betrayed by a son, no, the Lord is my shepherd. And the most important uh, word in this verse is my. Not the Lord is a shepherd or the shepherd or even the best shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, in, in order to experience the life without lack, the shepherd has for us, we have to know this shepherd personally. We have to follow after him. In the New Testament, Jesus actually called himself the good shepherd. And he says this incredible statement. 
that he knows his sheep and his sheep know him and he knows his sheep by name. It's one of those amazing things, I guess, in the Middle East of shepherds that they could call out a lamb's name and the lamb would come to them because they understood and they experienced and they recognized the voice of their own shepherd. Lots of shepherds could be calling out, but no, they knew their shepherd's voice. The Lord is my shepherd. And then Jesus says that he will then lay down his life for the sheep. The emphasis in all of Psalm 23 is this. God is with us. God is with us. A life without lack flows from our relationship with Jesus. It's it's living every day, really every moment, in that truth. that, That God is with you. The um the final chapter of Dallas's book really talks about how do you do this? How, how do you live each and every day thinking rightly about God in such a way that you realize that he will provide all you need, that you can actually have a life without lack in all ways? And, and, and he says that the first question we really have to ask is this. Do I really want this type of life? Do I really want this? Because you see, (laughs) we really don't like being a sheep. We don't like having to have a a shepherd that leads us and carries us and provides for us. We, we, we We really actually would much rather be the shepherd and be the one in, in charge and be involved and, and be the one leading everything. But, but Jesus says to us and David says to us in this psalm, no, the first step is to realize you have to humbly accept being a sheep. And then the type of life that God has for us can be unbelievable. Here's what Dallas says about this question. He says this question needs answering for the simple reason that if God is going to be with us, we should expect that our lives will be extremely different from ordinary human life. That is, our ordinary lives, our day-to-day at home, at work, at play, maybe even at church lives will be extraordinary. We should expect nothing less. Nothing less. And again, unfortunately, the truth of the matter is most of us really kind of like ordinary human life. You know, start out, go to school, go to college, get married, get a house, get a different job, another job, retire, play golf, whatever it is. And yet... If we live every single day with Jesus being with us, your life should be extraordinary. You will see him do things so different. He'll bring people across your path that need you. He will continue to provide for you. 
the Apostle Paul uh, kind of understood and experienced this with God life, this life without lack of knowing Jesus. And, and then Philippian church had sent him a gift to help him with his ministry. And in Philippians 4, he responds back to them in this letter, and he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you've been concerned, but you've had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hunger, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him, through Jesus, who gives me strength. You see, Paul had experienced what this life without lack was like. This incredible trust that the shepherd will continually provide for him, no matter what. And again, we know Paul's life. It was not easy. He spent many, many days and nights in prison. He was shipwrecked three times, he says. He was beaten and stoned, and yet he can say, I have learned to be content, because he had learned what it means to walk daily, to walk moment by moment with Jesus. So when I experience the Lord as my shepherd, as the one who provides everything I need, I can be generous with everything that God has given me. I can, I can let go of the petty hurts in life because I've experienced God's grace in my own life. I don't need the attention at work or at home or at school or in my neighborhood. I don't need that attention because I know where my identity has come from. And I can live fear-free, trusting that God will take care of me. Fear does not have to dominate our life because the shepherd will provide. So here we are at the beginning of 2022. And, and the question to ask yourself is this, do you really want this type of life? Do you want a type of life where God is with you, where you realize and experience and live as God is with you every moment of your day? That there isn't a time in your day where you go, you know what, Jesus, Take a little break here. I've got some other stuff I need to do. Or you know what? You really wouldn't be interested in being this part of my life, so just kind of stay off to the side. That no, through everything I do, every relationship I have, every form of entertainment I'm in, every job I'm doing, everything I say to my spouse, everything flows out of this moment-by-moment moment being with Jesus. That is what it means when we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. So my encouragement for you is this. Memorize this psalm so it can be a part of what is going through your mind and your thoughts all day. You can study the book that Dallas wrote, Life Without Lack. We have study guides online at our, at our website that you can study this either on your own or in a core group. 
uh, throughout the week. But then the final thing I'd say is just, uh, what area in your life do you need the Lord to really meet you so that you can experience him as a good shepherd? You need him to provide for you. You need him to protect you in some area. Do you need him to rescue you from something? Do you need him to really lead and guide you in an area? Do you, or do you just need to know his presence with you each and every day? Because that's what he wants to do as your shepherd. Let me pray for us. So, Lord, um, we thank you for these incredible words of truth that the Lord is our shepherd and we have nothing to want. We pray, Lord, that you would um, remind us of that, that you would help us to experience your presence with us each and every moment. Help us, Lord, to be humble, to say, uh, yes, Lord, um, I want you to be my shepherd. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I'm willing to let go of my own wants and thoughts and desires and things I hold on to. May I live a life where I know that you will sustain me and you will give all I need to live this life with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.